Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dr. Trevor DeVries of the University of Guelph. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. DeVries. And before we dive into our discussion today, let's start off by having you introduce yourself and give us some of your background. Great. Well, thank you uh, yeah, for the invitation to be part of this podcast. It's a pleasure. Um, as introduced, uh, yeah, my name is Trevor DeVries. I'm a professor uh, with the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. I've been in this role uh, nearly 16 years uh, at the University of Guelph. Uh, primarily focused on, uh, or my research is focused on dairy cattle, nutrition, behavior, management, and welfare. Um, and, and research is a primary kind of role in my position. However, there's um, I'm also involved in various teaching activities, various extension activities, uh, centered around dairy cattle, uh, nutrition management, behavior, and, and, uh, and similar topics. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to uh, speak with you here uh, today and, and to dive in, in in this topic of uh, precision feeding and dairy cows. Perfect. Well, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So, as you mentioned, today we're going to discuss the various forms of feeding technologies that are currently available to increase our precision in feeding strategies at both the herd and cow level and some of the associated challenges. So to start off, um, we often hear the term precision in the dairy industry. So what exactly does this term mean? Yeah, and that's that's a Good question. Um, and the term precision, I think we actually use it a little bit loosely in that uh, when we think of precision, we're actually often thinking about two things. And we're thinking about both uh, what we describe as accuracy and what we describe as precision. You can think about it um, as like hitting a target. And so if we hit a target, we call that accuracy. And if we hit that target in the same place every day uh, or, or uh, with every shot, so to speak, that is what we would call precision. And, and so often when we think about the term precision, we're actually thinking about both of those things. We're, we're hitting a target, let's say it's when it comes to nutrition, we're making sure that we're getting the diet to match the requirements of the animal. So that's the accuracy piece of that precision, uh, so, uh, so to speak. And then if uh, we do that on a consistent basis, uh, whether that's uh, within day, across days, uh, that's the, really the precision part of that equation. Thank you for that explanation. So what is precision feeding of dairy cattle then? Yeah, no, again, a, a good question. And I think um, our, our mind actually, when we think about precision feeding of dairy cows is really making sure we get the right nutrients into the right cows at the right time, right? And so it's really trying to match the amount of nutrients consumed by the cows or cattle in general uh, to the requirements they have, whether it be for maintenance, for growth and or production, like we would with say a lactating dairy cow, we want to make sure that we're meeting her needs so that we can yeah, not uh, on one side, not uh, 
underfeed the animal, which again is problematic from a uh, production standpoint. If, if the animal is not consuming enough nutrients, then there's going to be consequences of that. We uh, might end up with, yeah, that animal not producing as much as we would expect or going into a state of say negative energy balance or, or, or something similar whereby her health might be compromised. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we also don't necessarily want to overfeed that animal too much uh, because that creates inefficiencies. Uh, we don't necessarily uh, produce more in those situations in all cases. Uh, and those nutrients might either turn into excess stores on the animal, which is not necessarily healthy for the animal, or they may be excreted, which is uh, both a waste from a economic standpoint and then also from a environmental uh, standpoint as well. We don't want necessarily excess uh, nutrients being excreted from those animals. And so the idea with precision feeding uh, is to really be accurate in terms of hitting that target, making sure that uh, what the animal consumes really matches what uh, our target is for that animal from a requirement standpoint. I think that's a really good way to, to set the stage um, for this conversation um, and really lines up, I think, well with this next question. So when we are mixing and feeding on dairy, we know that there's a lot of thought and calculations that go into determining the perfect ration. So how do we ensure that the ration that's being delivered to the cows is actually what is being consumed by the herd? Yeah, that's a good question. And and uh, I, I there's kind of two levels. We never talked about that or I didn't talk about that in my uh previous response, but when we think about this concept of accuracy and precision, we can think about it at a herd level, we can think about it at a cow level. At a herd level, and that's where a lot of our feeding is done in the dairy industry, yet uh, we're feeding groups of animals, uh, whether that's uh, younger animals uh, or lactating animals, where we group those animals in larger groups uh, and in larger farms, often by uh, stage of lactation and parity. Uh, and, and so uh, we have opportunity there to with that and with those groupings be able to identify the yeah the needs of that group uh, on average and then ideally um, make sure that the diet that we're putting in front of those animals uh, matches uh, that um, yeah th those requirements now there there are bottlenecks to that and I guess that's what your question was kind of getting at and that uh, just because we have a diet on paper doesn't necessarily mean that that's what ends up in front of those animals. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the cows are going to consume that diet as we put it in front of them either. And those are kind of two kind of bottlenecks to that uh, uh, consumption of, of an of a accurate diet. And, and so if we think first of even from going from paper to um, the uh delivery of the diet, we need to think about, well, what are the things that might limit our ability? And so uh, taking a diet on paper, we have to actually, yeah, go out, get those feeds from our storage places, mix those uh, and, and deliver to those cows. And, and there's a number of things that can potentially uh, limit our, our accuracy in that. And so, for example, when we build the diet, we have information about the feed. Now we're assuming that when we go out and collect that feed, say our forages from a bunker silo, that what we're collecting on a day-to-day -day basis matches what we use to actually originally formulate that diet. And again, if there's a discrepancy there, if, if there's 
differences, uh, then we're not going to necessarily be accurate to that formulation. And so monitoring things like forage dry matters, regularly sampling our forages to make sure that, yeah, the, the nutrient profile of those is not changing over time too dramatically is going to help us keep those, uh, keep those diets more um, accurate to, to what they should be on, on paper at least, right? Um, and then, yeah, and then making sure that we do kind of the same thing day in, day out in terms of um, making sure that uh, what we do from a mixing standpoint and even a monitoring standpoint gets done consistently so that we're not only hitting that target, as I mentioned before, but we're hitting that target in the same spot so that the diet that gets fed on one day is, is very similar to the diet that gets fed the next day. And if we do that uh, and, and we kind of control some of those processes that might be bottlenecks to that, then, yeah, we are able to uh, potentially have a diet that's consistent both to the formulation and then across time. Um, and, then, and then we need to then make sure that, uh, yeah, the cows actually consume that diet consistently as well. And that's a fairly big other topic area, but I guess uh, just in, in brief, uh, again, we need to make sure that yeah, the, when, when we put a diet in front of cows and we think of feeding dairy cows, we're feeding a TMR, a total mixed ration. The whole idea is that that cow eats it as it's put in front of her. And if she doesn't, if she sorts that diet, if she selects certain things or selects against other things, then that creates um, an inconsistent diet. And so we're not being very accurate. We're not uh, uh, achieving that precision that we, we were talking about. And so, again, thinking about the way we manage the diet, the components of the diet, all those things can influence the cow's eating behavior and her sorting behavior too. And so trying to minimize that behavior and making sure that that diet does get consumed as uh, accurately as possible. So if you are happening to see quite a bit of day-to-day -day variability um, in your rations accuracy, what are some of the possible effects? Yeah, and that's that's something we've looked at um, uh, in, in, in a field scenario. And that's where a lot of kind of my interest and in, in my group's interest kind of came in in this uh, topic area, because uh, we did a study well over 10 years ago, where we looked at uh, diets that were being fed on, on commercial dairy farms here in Canada. And uh, we looked at how consistent those diets were being fed uh, day in, day out. And what we noticed is that some farms were very consistent, uh, in terms of the nutrient profile and even the physical profile of those diets that were being delivered to those cows on those dairies, whereas some farms were less consistent. And what we saw was that when we correlated basically the consistency in the diet that was being delivered to the cows to the production level in those farms, as well as the dry matter intake, we saw a negative correlation. So basically those farms that had more day-to-day -day variation in the diets being delivered to their cows, particularly things like energy content of the diet and even particle size variability of those diets. The more variability there was, the lesser dry matter intake we saw in those herds, we saw lesser milk yield, and we even saw lesser efficiency of production. And so all things that definitely uh, can yeah, affect the bottom line, so to speak, of the farm. Now, again, we try to control for as much other sources of variation in that analysis as possible. Um, and, and so, uh, but at the same time, 
there's probably still other sources of variation that maybe were not uh, um, were not measured, so to speak. What I think this data does tell us is that consistency really matters when it comes to feeding dairy cows and uh, and and managing in general. We know that from a variety of perspectives, and so the more accurate and and more consistent we can keep the diet of the cows, that's just kind of one key factor. Everything else needs to be consistent as well uh, from a management perspective on farm, but the diet is one key piece of that because we know that that rumen of the cow is really going to be um, most efficient and most uh, or, or operate it at its best when it's uh, provided a consistent diet. And so the more consistent we can keep that, the uh, not only we see better from the cow's perspective, but that's going to translate into greater benefits for the for the producer themselves. Absolutely. I mean, cows definitely love consistency. Uh, we see this in milking procedures, you know, how they're moving to and from the parlor, um, how they're handled, um, just to name a few. So how do we ensure that the ration is mixed and delivered consistently each day to really give cows that consistency that they thrive on and that they need? Yeah, there's, again, it's, it's not a, a one-step kind of thing there. There's, there's a, a number of different things that we would need to consider or we need to consider when it um, comes to making sure that, yeah, that diet is consistent. And it goes back to some of those things I was talking about before in terms of even just the accuracy, right? So um, do, we, do we have a good handle on our, our, our dietary components, particularly forages and dry matters for an environment where uh, temperatures changing day to day, where we have uh, precipitation changes day to day. If we're not controlling for those things and we're not uh, fully aware of, say, changes in forage dry matter on a day to day basis, then uh, that increases the risk of that day to day variability. And so, having really good um, uh, protocols in place for for uh, doing those things. And then when we actually put diets together, uh, do we have good mixing protocols in place? Uh, are all uh, employees who are mixing diets on farm uh, aware of those protocols? Are they following those protocols? And, and are we tracking those things, right? And um, We can't manage what we don't measure, right? That's the classic kind of uh, line that we use in a lot of uh, things related to dairy management. And, and, and this is a prime example where yeah, if we can if we can measure even that consistency, then we can use that as feedback too, right? So if we're using say TMR management software on farm to uh, look at how loads are being sequenced and 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 um, delivered each day and the consistency of those, uh, we can then use that information to um, help even our employees uh, maintain that consistency uh, across time. And then beyond that, uh, we, we can also um, think about employing, say, automation and precision technologies that help minimize some of those uh, other kind of aspects of inconsistency related to, to humans, right? So anytime we, we involve humans in a, a labor task, there's always that risk of kind of human inconsistency creeping in. And so there, there is opportunity on the feeding side of things to... Uh, employ some technologies that also then allow us to, um, yeah, potentially minimize some of that that inconsistency risk. 
I really love that you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, and that definitely ties into the um, abundance of feeding automations that are out there. So what are some of those technologies and what are some of the uh, advantages and benefits? Yeah, and I think j- just to reiterate the the advantages, I think, are, are really to um, use technology to as I was just mentioning before, to minimize human inconsistency. So if technology is working, it should do things on a consistent basis in time. Uh, and so if we program a technology to do something at a certain time, it's going to do that. Um, uh, as opposed to us as humans, uh, yeah, we may schedule it, but there might be something else that comes up or something that distracts us or who knows what, right? And so, again, the machine shouldn't necessarily have that distraction. And then they should, uh, again, uh, if a machine is programmed, it should do the same thing um, time in and time out. And that, that's, again, something that we as humans often struggle with. And so uh, that's that's really the benefit of, of, of using automation. The, the options there are... are uh, are growing, I guess you could say, in the industry, and uh, specifically from a feeding perspective. One of the ones we've seen used for quite a few years already, and we see more and more adoption, is is just automation of, say, pushing up feed on farm. And uh, again, it's something that when we deliver feed to cows, we know that the cows will push through that feed, they'll sort it a little bit, it might get pushed a little bit out of the reach, and we have to push that feed up um uh, a number of times a day and and the more often we do that probably the better and, and again if we're doing that manually if we're using uh humans to do that in terms of operating machines and and coming into the barn driving into the barn and doing that that's fine as long as they do it consistently and they do it at, when they're supposed to now we know in reality that doesn't always happen and so we do have technologies these automated feed pushers that can do that for us and and they can do so at a prescribed time and those technologies have improved dramatically over the years we can push larger and larger uh, barns and 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 we can um, uh, do a very good job there so that's just one example where we see a lot of that and we see the benefits of that we've got research to say that yeah when we employ this technology it it uh, minimizes that human inconsistency, and we see uh, better production, better intakes on farms uh, as a result of that. There is other opportunities from a feeding perspective, particularly on the feed mixing and delivery side of things, and goes back to this whole idea of precision and, and accuracy. In that, if we can take away again some of the um, human elements of mixing feed, then we potentially have that improvement or potential improvement in accuracy and precision of our diets. And, and, and there are some systems available to us now that we can automate the mixing of feed uh, and then the delivery of that feed within the barn as well. So that can be done. Uh, we can not only time that better, but also even do that more frequently, which we also know has uh, production and, and health benefits for cows as well. Now, some of those technologies are um, are still kind of growing, so to speak, in terms of uh, they are well designed for kind of more small to medium sized farms. Uh, we probably need some a little bit more development yet to really scale those up to uh, our large dairies. But uh, definitely that's something that I see happening within the industry, particularly as we think about even the the availability of labor all right it's so um that's that's another component to think here it's not only how we use labor and 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 the consistency of that but even just the availability of that and and, um as the industry gets more pressure to reduce labor inputs with 
basically reduce labor availability, uh, finding these opportunities for automation and feeding uh, are, are, uh, are becoming more and more, um, yeah, something of interest as well for the, for the dairy industry. Absolutely. It's wonderful to see that there are so many positives um, to this technology um, for feeding cows, not only for the cows themselves, but also those that are working on the dairy or our ownership. Um, but what are some of the negatives or possible issues of utilizing these automations and how can we avoid it? Yeah, well, yeah, good question. I guess the, the negatives at, at this point, uh, I would say, are um, more um, challenges just from a, a logistics standpoint. And that, as I was just describing before, too, like the, the technologies themselves, many of that we have available aren't quite at a scale yet that we can uh, say deploy them on, on our larger dairies now. Um, and, and that's where I think, again, well, we'll see benefits across all dairies from small, medium to large, but uh, some of those large dairies, that's where we could, I see, I would believe that we'd see even, even greater benefits on, on those farms. So, so the challenge there or, or is, is really just uh, making sure that we can scale the equipment up to that, uh, to that level. And then the other part of that, and this goes with any technology, is, is cost. And, and again, I think that at this point, at least, that's where um, I would say it, it's still kind of in development for the industry. Um, again, uh, I think other issues, so to speak, and it goes with what we see, say, in, in yeah, the, the movement towards, say, robotic milking is kind of similar in that um, it, it does change our mindset in terms of how we manage as well, right? And when we move from uh, conventional to, say, robotic milking, yeah, we're putting the act of milking into the robot's hands, but at the same time, we still need to manage that robot uh, from, a, uh, from a data standpoint. Um, we still need to monitor what's happening and, and so it changes our approach to management. And so, yeah, we're a little less hands-on with the cows, but then we have to be a little bit more kind of mind-on, so to speak, with uh, the data and, and the, uh, the technology itself. And so we see that as well with, with kind of a movement towards that feeding technology side of things too, is that, yeah, we, we have to kind of move towards a little bit different style of management. And, and again, everybody operates a little bit differently. And so that could be yeah, a greater challenge for some people versus others. Absolutely. I, I really like that moving from the, the hands-on to the mind-on because absolutely there's a lot of data to look at. You need to make sure you're, you're utilizing that data, especially when you're um, putting capital and money um, into some of those technologies. So I would like to move into looking a little bit more at the precision feeding on the individual cow level. Um, what are some of the technologies that are available to feed cows individually? Um, and what are some of the advantages? Yeah, um, again, a very good question. And, and that's something that, yeah, we, we used to feed cows individually a lot more. And we used to have farms uh, a lot more farms where cows are say even housed individually we think of tie stall farms that yeah still do exist but um not to not to the extent that they used to and some of the advantages of that was that yeah we could actually uh in some cases tailor a diet for that individual animal right and so that's really comes back to again this idea of accuracy and precision and that uh, we can do a better job targeting nutrients where they really need to go 
um, even down to that individual cow basis. And I think that's, yeah, that's really the goal behind this, this whole concept. Uh, now, again, in, in a group housing environment, if we're feeding cows all one ration in one group, that becomes a lot more difficult because we're doing it at that group level. And so we have to think about, are there opportunities for individualized feeding, say, within a, a larger group environment in larger farms? And where we've seen development there is going back to what I was actually kind of describing in the last question is actually this movement towards robotic milking. Um, in robotic milking, we use feed in the, in the robot itself to partially attract those cows to, uh, to be milked. Uh, but at the same time, there is the, the potential because we can vary the amounts that, of feed that cows get in that scenario. Uh, we can actually um, customize that to the individual animal and, and potentially improve our, our precision feeding of those animals at that, at that individual animal level. And so that's, that's really one example of where we're seeing kind of some of that opportunity coming into the dairy industry now. We have it even with, with younger animals as well. Uh, say with calves, we have automated uh, milk feeders or auto feeders for calves. And, and again, uh, we've learned that uh, we can do a lot better job kind of feeding at the uh, individual calf level, not only early on in life, but as that animal approaches weaning, we can customize that as well and, and do a much better job um, being yeah, both accurate uh, to that animal's uh, needs, so to speak. So it really does seem a little bit like a perfect system, having each cow having an individualized ration. Um, but do you still see some of those variations um, and negative associations that um, you might see when you're feeding at the herd level as well? Yeah, and, and our biggest challenge is that just because we program a machine, say, for example, to do something doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen, right? Like, because we're still relying, let's say, on the robotic milking side of things. If, if we want that cow to eat a certain amount of feed in the robot, it relies on that cow going to the robot, right? And so, and, and then it also relies on that cow eating the feed that we put in front of the robot. And, and we don't have those guarantees. And so, uh, my group and other groups uh, that are interested in this topic are, are looking into some of these things to see, okay, well, what are uh, scenarios, what are factors that influence our ability to actually make sure that, yeah, what we put in front of the animal, so to speak, it actually gets consumed so that we are trying to get towards that, that uh, accurate uh, diet for that animal. And so, yeah, there's, there's lots of different contributing factors there. Um, as I was just mentioning, just how often the cow goes to the robot. If she doesn't go enough, she, she might not get allocated the total amount of feed that we're hoping she'll consume there. And then what she consumes in the robot also will influence how much feed she eats elsewhere in the barn. So traditionally in a robotic scenario, they're still going to eat 80% up to 90% or even a little bit more in some cases of their total nutrients from the feed bunk. And so... Um, while it's only a small proportion coming from the robot, what she does consume in that robot may actually influence how much she eats elsewhere as well. So we need to have good knowledge of that. And we're doing lots of research trying to figure that out. And at the same time then, and that's where my group's been really interested in the last couple of years too, is just looking at how the behavior of the animal influences this as well. We know that not all cows behave the same. They do have some kind of general behavioral repertoires that you could say are fairly consistent, but 
uh, many cows have very consistent behavioral patterns within themselves. And um, humanly, we call that our personality, like you and I uh, are consistent kind of behavior patterns, we call our personality. And we've been looking at that similarly in dairy cows, looking at uh, consistent behavioral traits or patterns in these animals to see whether or not that may influence, say, their um, behavior in, in a robotic milking scenario. And maybe cows that are more um, explorative, more bold, maybe those cows visit a robot more than, say, a cow that's less explorative or more shy, for example. And I, I guess the practicality in that is that if we can identify that, just like many other things, we can maybe start to even select for um, some of that, uh, some of those differences. And as we know that, yeah, some of those behavioral traits, while they may be influenced by say early life experience, which again is something that we have the opportunity to um, influence, but we can also maybe uh, look to identify some of those things that are also heritable and um, incorporate that into uh, which animals we select for breeding as well. Wow, that's super, super interesting and fascinating to think about, um, especially as you talked on the genetic side and things we can select for um, cow personalities. That's, <laughs> I think, very, very interesting. Um, so we've talked a bit um, about the benefits of precision feeding techniques. Are we able to calculate the profit made from utilizing automatic feeding methods and the equipment? I guess short answer is yes. Uh my, my longer answer would be it's, it's complicated though. Um, definitely anything that we incorporate from an investment standpoint, we uh, need to and, and should uh, be able to calculate our, our return on investment, right? On, on, those, um, uh, on those investments. And in this case, say uh, automation or technology that we're using for feeding. Uh, again, the, the the, the challenge in this becomes uh, identifying what are all the potential returns, right? And so, again, part of it is in on the human labor side of things, is there labor savings? Is there benefits from, as I was mentioning earlier, some of the consistency things that we might not capture as, uh, as easily, right? Uh, but if we realize that, say, human inconsistency um, does cost us that we can incorporate that into our calculations, uh, whether or not, again, there's production and health differences observed, those things too can be incorporated from, uh, or, or, uh, both on the potential for extra profit and increased savings. And so there's a lot of different factors that can be incorporated into that. And, and I think what, uh, again, there are people looking into that. That's not my forte for uh, specifically, but there are people who are looking at these things and, and making these calculations. And, and what they are seeing is that, yeah, there in, in many cases, there, there are uh, the potential for uh, re greater returns on investment uh, when, we, when we do incorporate or use these technologies. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dr. DeVries. Um, that was my last question, but before we wrap up, I do actually have a little bit more of a, a bonus question that I've been asking each of our guests that have been on the Dairy Intelligent podcast, um, and that is, what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question, and it's interesting to kind of phrase it as yeah, an animal-centered. Um, I guess from my experience and, and background, specifically someone who um, uses kind of animal behavior as a metric to understand how we manage and feed cows. 
um, it, it, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, an environment that really um, is designed to meet the behavioral needs of the animal. And um, why that's important is that uh, uh, a lot of times uh, when we do that, we're not just uh, meeting those needs, so to speak, that an animal might be or behaviors that an animal might be highly motivated to perform, but that actually translates into benefits, right? So if we can get those cows to um, rest when they want to, to eat when they want to, to be motivated to do these things, to drink, minimize kind of uh, time spent waiting for resources, all those things that are going to contribute to um, meeting that, that individual animal's needs, then we're going to maximize the health and production and efficiency of that animal. And so, again, I think that, that, that provides benefits from a production standpoint, from a health and welfare standpoint for the animal. And then uh, producers then um, uh, reap the benefit of that as well, right? So um, that, that can be very important. And at the same time, I, my, my mind, when you said that an animal-centered environment, yeah, I think our, our challenge is making sure that uh, when we think about barns and barn design and management, that yeah, we're 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 doing that from the animal's perspective and, and best interest uh, in mind, and not necessarily always our human. We want to make sure, obviously, our facilities are are good for the people that are working in them, um, and and make sure that again that they're they're safe and efficient for for those working. So the the human uh, side of it, but but first and foremost, it should be making sure that the animals that are uh, we're taking care of in those facilities are able to, yeah, um, uh, perform to their, to their, uh, maximum, uh, ability and, and, and stay healthy and, and yeah, um, be able to, uh, maintain good, uh, care and welfare in those facilities as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. DeVries for your time and your insights. I think we all learned a bit more about how to successfully implement precision feeding strategies. Thanks to everyone who joined us for this episode, and we look forward to catching you in our next one. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.